This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a uh, interesting way to start the show and kind of jump into your lives. Uh, I, you know, for those that have listened for a while, I think there's something really interesting about astrology. I know nothing about it. I, I don't really have that strong of an opinion for it or against it. I'm always a fan of anything that can become a tool or resource for individuals. I think we always have to hold these things lightly. I know that there's a lot of people that feel powerfully against it and powerfully for it. So I saw uh, something pop up on my feed that was uh, a discussion of the negative qualities of zodiac signs. So this is meant to be fun. Uh, some people are going to, in a humorous way, say, I feel called out, you know what I mean? Um, I was trying to look at mine. I was trying to say like, how, how true is that? So I'm a Scorpio. And from what I know about that, I, I pretty much am, am, am generally true to form in a lot of different ways. And uh, again, we're talking about the negative qualities of Zodiac signs. Uh, supposedly for us Scorpios, we are easily set off. Uh, that's not actually true anymore. And I think that's the beautiful part of doing our work as individuals in therapy is through my own therapy and working on myself, I've really become a lot softer and more regulated uh, in a lot of different ways that I approach things. So I always wonder about that with zodiac signs. How does that account for people evolving and changing? Um, are there some qualities that maybe are more authentic to who we are, which would mean maybe that there's like a thread of it woven into everything? I think that's possible. But, you know, I'm very much from the mindset that we're relational beings, we're created in relationship and everything's co-created and who we are with one person in one relationship can be very distinct from others. Who you'd see me be with my clients is very different from who you see me with my romantic partner, which is different from how you see me with friends, which is different from how you see me with family members. Those are all me, but they're co-created. What me and my mom co-create, what parts of us we bring out is different from what comes out with my romantic partner and some of my friends. One friend, we're more humorous and the humorous sides of me come out. Another friend, we're more intellectual and philosophical. But when we work on ourselves, that can change. Someone who's very easily disrupted or, you know, dysregulated can really improve that and become the opposite. So I wonder how astrology accounts for that because astrology seems to be very rigid and solid and this is who you are as though there's enduring, you know, consistent parts of ourselves. And it really, that's dependent, you know, who we might've been as a result of trauma. Once we heal, that can shift. So you know, I don't know that I, I buy into things that see our personalities as stable over time. They're not. And I can tell you that after decades of being a therapist, that's not true. And they're very relationally defined and that that's a co-creation and that changes. Um, but nonetheless, I think that there can still be some valuable stuff in here. 
I'm just waiting for all the DMs I'm going to get about my thoughts on astrology. God bless it. Um, I'll read none of them, just so you know. I'm not interested in really diving that much deeper into it personally. But um, it says I'm easily set off, which I'm not. Uh, what else? I keep a lot in, which actually is not true. I'm pretty transparent and vulnerable. And, and I love sharing all my different parts with people that I'm in my life with. Um, I have trouble showing my true selves. Yeah, that's not really true at all. I really value being a total authentic self as much as I can at all times. Whatever that means in the moment, you know, what's authentic to me in each moment's gonna change. Uh, we're, you know, protean and multi-phrenic, meaning always changing, always an open system, um, always impacted by what's around us. We know that from, you know, attachment theory, mirror neurons, social contagion, inner subjectivity, that we are impacted by what's around us. We get infected by the energy and the moods of what's in the room, or at least people that are very empathetic do. And I think that that's our goal in our work as relational beings is being more empathetic, more attuned to how we shape and impact those around us, especially those that we're in primary relationships with, because we're gonna have the greater impact on them, children, friends, loved ones. Um, now, when I look at Zodiac stuff, I also look at the signs of my ex and my current because there's always something interesting. So I used to date a Gemini, which was he was, you know, also very true to form that in that way. Uh, the most flip floppy people ever. Who wants to be told they're flip floppy? I, I definitely don't. Um, would I say they're flip floppy? I don't know, but I do appreciate the statement that comes next. Like, what's today's mood? I did feel that at times being in that relationship that uh, <laughs> it was just a matter of time maybe before moodiness emerged. In denial, 90% of the time, their way is the highway, desperately needs a break. They have a hard time setting goals. Goals scare them, ah, bless. I'll give you a few highlights of other signs really quickly for those that are curious. If you're a Taurus, you are idealistic, spend a lot of time trying to impress others, doesn't like to apologize. Oh. Aries tries to do everything at once, doesn't know when to stop and take care of themselves, bends over backwards. Cancers, literally the meaning of I'll give you the shirt off my back, isolates themselves in fear of sometimes hurting someone. Leos, no one takes them seriously because they always have to portray themselves as the fun one. Whoa, is actually really sad inside, honestly needs a hug. Is that the negative quality, Leos? Virgos, can dish it but can't take it, rush everything, anxious. <laughs> Oh my God. Libras solves everything but their own. Solves every everyone's problems but their own. Actually very sad and lonely. Gets easily heartbroken. Man, these are dark qualities. Sagittarius, impatient, brash, commitment issues, body issues. Don't realize they need to change for anyone. Damn. Capricorn, scared people won't like them unless they're at the top of their game. 24-7 takes a lot for them to talk about their feelings. Secretly struggles. Aquarius gets heartbroken like 30 times a week, trust issues. And finally, Pisces, empathetic often to a point of no return, plays the victim, doesn't know when to say no. They're cynical. Yikes. <laughs> God, that's why I don't read that stuff. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the importance of rituals. Family rituals is the entry point, but rituals in general. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, before the break, we were talking about the dark sides of horoscopes. I still feel a little icky from that. That was a little harsh. Whoever wrote that went all in. Um, man, and that's, uh, let's talk about this for a second. So that my own experience of reading that was a lot like the research. We talked about this, I think, um, last week, a little bit about motivation, what creates it, what causes it, what sustains it. And within that, we're moving towards when we deal with mental health, but especially addiction, we're moving towards a harm reduction model, realizing that our old school ways were a little too hardlined, a little too black and white. We expected sobriety for everyone. Success was complete abstinence. That was the goal. Otherwise, you're in denial and not sober. And now we realize through a lot of research that that's not that's not acceptable for everyone. Not everyone's going to be completely abstinent and that we have to celebrate small goals. And for some people, the best they're ever going to do for a multitude of reasons is reduce their use, use, you know, use safer. But more importantly, we're realizing we don't do tough love, hitting rock bottom or confrontation anymore. That actually doesn't motivate. That leads to more deaths and overdoses. That shutting people out is the cause of the problem. They already felt shut out, disconnected, um, didn't feel like they were important or had worth. And that just reinforces that. So we lose people. And yes, we need to set boundaries. No, you don't need to deal with abusive responses. But if you're dealing with an addict that you care about, you try to help reduce harm. You do give them food. You do help them stay alive. You do give them a place to stay with boundaries. Of course, we're not, you know, um, not looking out for ourselves. There's we, we apply what we call fierce compassion, which is we have boundaries, but we love you with them, but we don't throw people out, throw them away, kick them out, or just let them hit rock bottom. There's not care in that. And that's not motivating. Confrontation's not motivating. And we're moving away from that, you know? And so I'm always looking for treatment centers that treat addiction in a loving attachment-based way where people that are struggling and relapsing aren't seen as not serious and kicked out. They're, they get more care. People that relapse and are struggling need more care, more attention, not to be kicked out of programs or out of their home. They're struggling with mental health issues. We would never kick someone out of treatment or their home who's struggling with depression or anxiety because they relapse and they're having depression or anxiety again. We wouldn't say, we're going to let you hit rock bottom and kick you out because that's ridiculous. We don't need to do that with addicts either, right? And so in just reading that horoscope, I felt confronted and I was feeling how that doesn't actually provide learning lessons. Articles like that, I would hope, are written from the perspective of let's talk about your dark sides so you have a better sense of what work you have to do as a person in the world. But that was so confrontational and harsh that it didn't motivate me. It actually made me feel unsafe and I wanted to just close it and put it away and move away from it. I didn't feel safe really hearing it or connecting to it to learn about myself. And I think that's important with people in our lives. Have conversations with them if you're trying to help 
help them learn about themselves that feels safe and comfortable. And I'm always talking about that in terms of work with communication. We have to have a soft startup, coming soft, letting people know you care about them, maintaining that with your tone of voice and your posturing. That is what makes people feel safe listening and truly hearing you. Otherwise, if you get confrontational in your treatment program as a partner or in an article like that in our earlier segment about astrology, people shut down. We will shut down when we're attacked and that felt attacking, right? We shut down and get defensive and that's what happens in a lot of arguments is people aren't staying soft and making it safe to listen. I have a personal story where when I was a child, whenever my dad needed to have a difficult talk with me, instead of just finding safe, casual ways of having it with me, like, hey, let's go for a walk. And then in the course of the walk, when I'm feeling safe and cared for, he could just launch in. Instead, he'd say, I need to talk to you. Let's go into the office because we had an off- he had an office in our home. And that automatically did what? I got tense. I knew it was bad. I, I, I got uptight and I was already defensive. What did I do now? It's, a, it's very confrontational by default. It's like an unconscious confrontation. We don't want to approach people or difficult topics like that. And that's why we don't confront people with interventions where all your favorite people are sitting in a room and they're all reading from a list of all the things that are wrong with you. That isn't helpful. That doesn't work. That's not psychologically sound. It should be people soft in a non-confrontational, intense way, lovingly sharing with you how they feel. We don't need to all get together and lock you in a room to do it. That doesn't create what we call internal motivation. Motivation is external and internal. And we often need the externals to get us open or get us somewhere to then allow and find our own reason for wanting to do something. But that only happens in the context of a safe relationship. And so that's what I want you to hear me say. We need to create safe spaces, safe containers. Create relational moments that are a safe container for us to let our guard down. And that's usually the wording we use, the posture, the emotional intensity. Keep it loving. That will always serve you. It's what the research shows over and over. Stay soft, stay loving. You can still set boundaries. You can still have boundaries. You can still say it's not acceptable to treat me this way or talk to me this way. And you can still do it in a loving, safe way. But we're not throwing people away anymore, kicking them out, unless they're engaging in abusive behaviors. Yes, if you're dating someone, married to someone, or have someone struggling with drugs and alcohol in your home, and they're becoming verbally abusive or physically abusive, yes, you're allowed to say that can't exist around me, and you're allowed to find alternative solutions to that. I'm not saying we allow abuse in our lives. In fact, it's the opposite. But short of that, we we do stick around for disappointments and letdowns and people struggle. Know this. We know from robust ongoing research that when we look at change, most people are not ready to step right into action. That instead, they need to spend days, weeks, months, even years in what we call the contemplation stage. They just need to keep thinking about it, finding motivation, and talking about it. Not everyone that you know wants a new job or a new health regimen or wants to get sober is ready to step into it tomorrow because they brought it up. They need safe people to keep processing it with them. Maybe they're weeks away from it. But my bigger point is that in the stages of change, no one, when they finally step into action, is like, oh, we got this, sober forever, eating healthier forever. You know, no. They have this thing built in to the stages of change, which means it's appropriate, healthy, and expected. And it's a little line that's drawn out of the circle, and it's called relapse. Relapse is not a step backwards. Relapse does not mean we lost everything we've built thus far. It's an expected stage of change that we will fall off whatever wagon we're talking about for a little bit of time. That's expected. We should have no shame around that. That's part of moving forward. So when we relapse, we should say, that's right. We knew that that was going to come. And that is actually part of forward movement. That is built into that. That's expected. There it is. We keep going anyway. 
you know? All right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about family rituals. And this applies to all relationships. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about family rituals, but this applies to personal private rituals, relational rituals. And what we're realizing is our lives are very busy and we often get distracted. And a lot of what distracts us is what we call these external external issues, right? External stressors. And it's usually things centered around work and finance. And understandably, those play a centralized role in our life because we need that to get our basic needs met, which is partially why you see those funny memes that say things like, when you're on a job interview and someone's like, why do you want this job? Well, the answer is because I ha- live in a capitalist culture and I need money to pay my bills so I can live because I'd like to eat tonight. You know what I mean? And that that's why most people want a job. Very few people are applying for a job where they're applying because they just love whatever that work is. And it's an odd assumption that we're supposed to love whatever it is. You know what I mean? Very few people's jobs are centered in what they like to do. We have bills. You know what I mean? And the CEOs want another car and another home. And so that's what we're all here for. Like, let's just keep it real. But those things are things that unfortunately distract us from what really gives us purpose and meaning and safety in our lives, AKA mental health, which is solid relationships with loved ones and friends, you know, meaningful experiences. No one on their deathbed wishes they worked more hours at their job, right? Or whatever else. They, they wish that they had spent more time with their family and living life and traveling. You know, I shared this with you guys a long time ago. I was watching that movie, Nomadland with, um, darn, why can't I think of her name? I'm such a big fan of her work and that movie. It'll come to me. But there's this line in the movie where she said, you know, one of her colleagues, this is kind of her reflecting upon why she decided to quit everything and take to the road. One of her colleagues was um, worked and worked and worked and worked, literally worked himself to death. And he just had this dream of having a boat and taking that boat sailing. Well, he got the boat because he worked really hard, but he died with it still in his driveway, never having gotten to take it out because he just worked and worked and worked and then died. And she said, I'm never gonna let my life be like that where I die with that sailboat still in my driveway, never having gotten to go out on the seas in it. You know, And I thought that was really beautiful. Um, that's, that's true. That is what all the studies show us at end of life. People are, are, are wishing they had done lived a life more rooted in pleasure and meaning and relationships, you know, worked less. And that's why we're talking all this time about let people work from home. Like let people, if your job can, if your job has been shown during COVID that it can be done from home, let people work from home, let them have a life. My God, you know? And it was funny, I was watching that new documentary about uh, La, uh, Lou, LuLaRoe. It's this like clothing company that took fire. One of the things that brought so many people into the company was that they said, family first, we value family first. Now it turns out, spoiler alert, so close your ears or turn this down for a second. Turns out that that was like a little bit of a lie and the way that they saw it's a little toxic patriarchy and misogyny and all that. And they kind of like have a hidden motive in that. But nonetheless, people love that idea. I can be home with my family and still get my basic needs met. So like let people work from home. You know what I mean? And we're looking at all the research. I talked about this other night where people are working four day work weeks, six hour days and productivity is even higher. Let's honor that. Let's actually be mental health centered. All of these jobs and companies are talking about mental health and they're doing all these hard posts, but yet they're not actually in practice showing it. And that's how you show it. You actually care for the people that are paying your bills. 
you know, companies can't exist without the workers. And I think companies forget that, but they're learning the ones that aren't able to operate because they don't offer benefits or pay a living wage and they don't have workers. Like you need them as much as they need you. You don't, no one works for you. You work with them, right? Like I always say that I work, I don't work for anyone. I work with different people and when it doesn't serve us, it won't happen anymore. But like we work with people, you know what I mean? Like let's, let's make it more horizontal get rid of this vertical power structure of eagle, ego and power and whatnot. But all this to say is what brings us back is family rituals. And again, this applies to all relationships, but we're going to use the entry point of families is that we get distracted, right? And we, we forget that time together, mealtime, holidays, different rituals are ways to really bring us back and remind us, right? How do you spend your holidays? How do you spend your summers? How do you spend your vacations? How do you spend mealtime? How do you deal with good news, exciting news, hard news, right? And we want to normalize these things, right? So, how do we start to bring ourselves back? Well, number one, we create traditions. I, I love traditions. I miss traditions. A lot of us count on them. We look forward to them. We're excited about them. And there's been a little bit of a decrease in them, especially during COVID. But bring back in some of those rituals, things that we can count on. The studies show over and over that children that eat dinner with their family every night have lower rates of mental health issues, depression, drug use, all of that. Why? Well, think about it. Number one, because they're literally with the family, not out on the streets causing trouble. But number two, that means they have a close relationship with their family. If this is something that everyone really wants to be a part of and values, they are internalizing a healthy set of ethics and they have a healthy relationship, hopefully, with their family. Because hopefully at those dinner tables, they're talking honestly about who they are, what's going on in their lives. So they feel like they have a support. They feel like someone cares. There's someone in it with them, right? They're learning skills from their family members. There's a whole reason why that's there. You know, they value relationality. And so there's something important in just that ritual. The studies show that over and over. But that has to be honest. It can't just be, oh, we're all sitting at the table together, miserable, disconnected in silence. But hey, studies show, no. It's got to be the quality of presence. And I'm always saying that about relationships in general. It's not about just proximity. Oh, our bodies are near each other. That doesn't count. It's the quality of what's happening while we're near each other that really matters. That's what we're trying to seek. So we have to focus on that. We got to take a break. And we're going to slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And then afterwards, we'll keep coming back to talk about family rituals or the importance of rituals. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all. We are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, drop your questions in there. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend moved in at the beginning of quarantine. We were only dating for a few months at that time. Noticed a lot of things about her since then as we're still cohabitating. And it's not seeming to go well. Bum, 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 bum. I think it's time to ask her to leave. But what can I do? I wake up often unhappy and I think it's ultimately unhealthy and toxic for me. Uh, I mean, without knowing much more, I think you kind of answered it. What do you need to do? You need to have that adult conversation. You know, as I say all the time, if we are going to be getting into relationships, we have to take seriously that responsibility that we will share with this other, whatever it is we're thinking or feeling, you know, and how they're impacting us. So I always want to say before you go to such a drastic move as to end a relationship or ask someone to leave, just make sure you've brought the issues to them. 
that's a sign of respect and care. And again, that is the commitment we make in all relationships that we will let someone know if there's an issue so they can help be a part of the solution. We often don't do that. And then it goes on too long, resentments build, and then we feel as though there's nothing more we can do but end it. Or we've gotten to a place where it is really that toxic and all we can do is move on. So try to bring it up and bring it forward. It's something we need to get comfortable with and a lot of practice with. And if it's not resolvable, well, then it's a very fair thing do, to do to say, I don't think that we should be living together or maybe even be together at all. And that has to be able to be said. You know, again, we're trying to form relationships with people that are safe enough to have those conversations. Um, and if you've done that work, well, then it's fair to ask them to leave, you know. And um, But again, that's the commitment we make, that we'll have that willingness to do that. So that's what you have to do. There's no easy way to do it at all. It's a difficult thing. And it's going to be hard maybe for this other person to hear, or maybe not. Maybe they're very much also aware that things have been kind of tough. Um, so check it out. Uh, we got another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, can you please give some tips on how to discuss open relationships? been trying to bring it up with a partner, uh, but I'm afraid I'll say the same, uh, I'll say the wrong thing. And then I won't know how to react if the answer is no. Well, the answer might be no. You know, all these discussions are about finding what's healthy for both of you, but more importantly, what's healthy for the relationship. And uh, you have to have an understanding, first, of what you're asking for. So I always tell people, do a lot of research. What is an open relationship? What are the different options? What are the pros and cons of each option? There's pros and cons to monogamy. There's pros and cons to non-monogamy. And we have to make sure that we're built in a way to be able to pull that off. And also that we're in the right kind of relationship with the right partner who can pull that off. Some people's historical relational, aka attachment, traumas or issues won't allow them to ever feel safe and secure in anything outside of monogamy. Other people realize monogamy for them is about playing it safe and not really dealing with jealousy and fear and anxiety. And it's healthy for them to practice, you know, letting that go. So, you know, educate yourself first that again, you know what you're asking for so that you can answer questions so that you're clear. And then you bring it to your partner and you realize that this might be something that's an ongoing conversation. It's not a one-off, a decision that's made on the fly. It's something you might be coming back and forth in and out of for weeks, months, years right because it's got to be both you know it's got to be something that you're both comfortable and open to doing that's the base the best bet hear your per partner's concerns and anxieties try to problem solve that let them know the deeper meaning as to why you want that and also be open to the deeper meaning that they provide as to why they might also want that or don't want that but know that there's a lot of options there's so many options that fall under the non-monogamy umbrella so be open to exploring maybe all of them it can't necessarily be what you want because for some people non-monogamy is a true orientation they're not not everyone is built for monogamy it is not right for everyone for some people it's far more difficult than what they're built to tolerate and they shouldn't have to deal with that right um and then for others maybe it's more of a lifestyle it's something they want temporarily they want to check out they want to explore so be open. It's an important conversation. It's a powerful conversation. We learn a lot about ourselves and the other and the relationship in general. Uh, but jealousy is not a reason to not do something. In fact, jealousy is a signal that maybe we need to work on building more trust and connection. And sometimes non-monogamy is a really powerful way to start to do that, you know, and to work on other powerful relationships. All right, y'all, we got to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about ghosting. Yeah, I know. Some rough stuff, y'all. We got to be better. Got to do better. Check out uh, other shows, other episodes of the show, I should say, over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and uh, we're talking about the importance of ritual, essentially, 
and making intentional choices to build in rituals. Why? They're structure. They ground us. Uh, they're things that we lovingly look back on in, well, later in life, but also when we're struggling, wait, we symbolize experiences and people. It's very soothing. And we've really fallen out of prioritizing certain important aspects and ritualizing things because we're fast and, and we want things easy and we're very busy and we're drifting away from what really is needed, collectivity and community and connection. And <clears throat> before the DMs, we were talking about just starting to build some, even if it's dinner together or celebrating holidays or taking trips. Um, other things you can do is, I was looking at some research and I love that they said, modify, modify, modify. You might no longer live in a, you know, a uh, uh, rural or suburban area that has access to parks and camping or whatever it is, but you can still spend time looking out the window together, going for walks and talking about the trees and the grass or whatever it is. We have to find ways of bringing in what we might've done before or what we want to do into our daily lives. You can still sit down together and watch documentaries and movies and talk about those experiences, look at photos from the past, whatever it is. Maybe you don't have the ability to sit down and have dinner together, but can you all at the end of the night sit down, turn off the television, put your phones down and talk about your day? Maybe you don't have the resources to go on vacation, but can you maybe once a month or every season have a family game night where you all prioritize it and sit down together and play board games or card games or whatever it is, right? We're just trying to build in relationality and connection and these rituals. And, and like we're pointing out, they're very simple. They're very easy. And these are also the things that keep long-term happy marriages and relationships together, right? These resources, because as we talked about on show the other night, it's not just about having a deep friendship that all happy long-term relationships have, right? But they've also built in novel and new experiences together because what won't help or what won't work, what will not work is boredom where it's always the same thing. We're always going easy and lazy. We're always just watching movies together. There's something beautiful and comfortable in that, but you also still want to still go out. That's why I say to couples, have a date night where you're going out in the world and seeing and doing things new and interesting together. There's something important about that newness and novelty. Families need that as well. <clears throat> I'm often trying to make those connections that what is good for us romantically is also good for us familially and non-romantic in terms of socialization. And, and the opposite is true as well, right? So we can always find ways to bring those things to us if we can't go out to them. Maybe you have a newborn and you're like, we can't get on an airplane, we're in COVID. Um, but you can bring them into the home somehow through film, through photo, through online. I was saying that to my mom when COVID first hit. And she's like, I can't go out of the house. And I said, you can't. However, uh, galleries and museums are still letting you wander via video, right? Meetings for 12-step program are still being had online. So that we're just shifting the way we can access things. And I hope that we keep that. Because there are people that are, you know, have disabilities and other things that are going on and they might not have access to these spaces in a traditional way. And what COVID and, 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 and still trying to run businesses and work from home has taught us is that being online and technological uses are just as meaningful and powerful, but they also bring it to people that don't live in that city, don't have the finances to be there in real time, or they don't have the ability because of uh, these places being non-accessible to people that have disabilities and other reasons, right? So take advantage of that. Capitalize on that. Um, and then finally, just going back to things that have always been meaningful to us in the past, right? Traditions that might have been something historical that we did with other family members or loved ones, and we want to kind of bring it to our current family and into our current life. Um, really powerful stuff when we look at it like that. But it's that, it's that traditions. It's about that structure. It's about that consistency. But you got to make it meaningful. 
I think that's the key to everything when you're planning a date or a family outing or a vacation. Um, meaning and value. It's also the best way to be a gift giver. Giving things that have meaning and value that remind you of them, things that they connect to. It's also tips for romance, songs, pictures, images, inside jokes, keeping those alive, forming those, creating those, returning to those. They soften us. I mean, that's what we can do when there's difficulty going on in our family or our relationship, going back to those early experiences. You know, that, that can really help lovers reunite, reconnect, family members come back together. It's also, that, that's sadly what happens when people pass. People come together for the funerals, they start share, sharing memories and stories. It softens us, it reconnects us, it remembers, it reminds us of, you know, what was most important. Um, but all of that is born out of these rituals. So ask yourself, how can I start building them in? What would be meaningful? Especially if you feel very distant from people that are important to you. That's why I think friends having game nights or dinner parties, things like that are really, are really beautiful things. And that's what some people count on because for some, that's their only social moments, you know? So keep those things alive, make those important. But like I said, they're very easy, they're very accessible, and often they're, very, they're free, you know? We can sometimes make our vacation that we're all just gonna go out on a picnic, right? So it's simple things, and those tend to have the most meaning. And that's what they always talk about, that people like experience and that's what we should be focusing our time and our money on things that are experiential and make gift giving maybe experiences gift someone a picnic gift someone a game night gift someone traveling together gift someone going out and experiencing something together you know what i mean there's there's more to that than just handing something over that they smile about and then they shove in a drawer somewhere all right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um, ghosting. I was looking at some interesting information about it, and I thought it was relevant because uh, it's something we're still doing. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and uh, we're talking about essentially ghosting and that slow fade and looking at how these are very traumatizing ways of ending a relationship. I've said this before. I'll say it again that – if you're not prepared to do what's required at times in a relationship, please take a break from dating because you're hurting people. If you're not willing to let someone know that you no longer are interested, then you're not mature enough or healthy enough to date because just disappearing out of the blue or slowly disappearing is a really painful thing. And it's actually a form of mental abuse and, and can be very gaslighting. And that's what happens is fading out can be worse for some people than ghosting because they start to question reality and they're very confused and it drags it out, right? And that's what people do. They'll call it breadcrumbing or slow fading. It's, it's the charade that puts, um, that instead of just owning your decision to end the relationship, you pretend like it's still going, but slowly keep divesting. And the other person is just left very confused because you're sending essentially mixed signals because you're not willing to just step in and own what's going on and, and risk hurting someone. But dating sometimes being hurt or hurting as we let people down when we're not interested, but we have to be willing to do that. So that slow fade isn't kind. It's a form of gaslighting and can lead to ongoing uh, emotional damage. And I don't think people realize that the kindest thing you can do is provide clarity about the breakup and let someone know that it's over so they can mourn the loss and move on. But when you don't do that and you keep showing up and you're just showing up less and you're taking more space, well, they don't, they're not able to move on. They're, they're kept in it and they're trapped and they're confused and they're trying to understand, well, they haven't said it's over, so I have to believe that the relationship is still intact and it's still going on, but yet they're not as available as they used to be. And you put the responsibility on the other person to read between those lines, but it's actually your responsibility because you made the decision to not want to be in it anymore to tell them. 
but you're putting it on them. They, they should be able to read between those lines. It's like, no, actually, you're not being an adult just saying to them, hey, it's been great spending time together. I don't think the connection's there. I'm not interested in moving forward. That's as simple as it has to be. Write that down and just cut and paste it. Send that to someone. I don't care if you break up with them over text. Just break up with them. Just be honest and use those words. However you need to do it, just do it. I'd rather you do it on a post-it than not do it because that's less damaging. Yes, people might say that wasn't cool, that wasn't the best way to do it, but that's better than dragging it out and performing as though it's still going on and harming people more because it's actually more damaging to drag it out. People are very confused. Instead of telling them directly, you're pretending, which means you're sending mixed signals and they're not getting it, right? I'd rather both people just naturally stop responding which is more honest, but I said this before, if someone reaches out, you have a responsibility to respond. If you don't respond and they don't respond and no one reaches out, well, then you're on the same page. But if someone hits you up again saying, when can we hang out next or how have you been? You have, you have an accountability and responsibility of saying something, which is, hey, thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, I've realized I'm not interested anymore. The chemistry doesn't seem there. Take care of yourself. Yes, you need to do something. If they reach out, you have to respond. If they don't reach out, then you have less responsibility, but I would still urge you to say something. But at least it's better if they don't re reach out. But if they are, and you're performing and pretending, you're not being kind. So people use the slow fade when the decision and the relationship is just kind of one-sided. It's a decision that only you made. And oftentimes you think you're being kinder, but you're not right? You're kind of gaslighting them. Where ghosting is a little cleaner and there's less uncertainty, right? But the slow fade or the breadcrumbing or slowly drifting is just prolonging it. And you're actually harming them. And then you're going to make it even more awkward if you do bump into them. Or at least letting them know you're not interested, although it might frustrate them, it's easier. And that's why if someone sends you that message saying the chemistry's not there, I'm looking to break up, you can't be mad at them. They don't have to stay with you if they don't want to. The only response you should provide is thank you for telling me. That's your answer. If someone sends you a breakup text, is thank you for telling me, period. You don't beg, you don't plead, you don't yell, you don't name call, you just say thank you because that's a big move for some people, right? And we want to get in the habit of doing that. And everyone I've worked with who has had that message sent to them, although they might've been let down or disappointed, always said, I was so glad they were willing to do that. I was glad that they were honest with me. So people end up being thankful. So what's the best way to handle the ending of a relationship you're no longer interested in? By being honest and letting them know. A simple text. It was nice to meet you. Don't feel the connection. That's all you have to say. Cut and paste. Click, click, click. Quick and easy. Be direct. Be honest. Don't say I want to be friends if you don't. You know what I mean? Don't, don't sell them a dream that's not true. Don't mislead or misrepresent yourself because you don't want them following up as friends if you don't want that. And it's gotta be stressful for you to keep seeing them pop up. Just be honest and tell them. Everyone's gonna be better off for it. So why are, what are the reasons why people do this? Well, first off, to avoid conflict. A lot of people are afraid of conflict, they're afraid of confrontation, and if they just end it, they're afraid of having to deal with that and having to really explain themselves, and so they'd rather just abandon that responsibility and pretend for a while or disappear. But again, if you're not willing to be honest with someone about it not working out, please stop going on dates. You are not mature enough to be going on dates. You need to take a break and work on assertion first because you're hurting people, and it's a feedback loop. Hurt people are out there hurting people because they've been hurt and they keep hurting. It's a mess. People aren't getting their needs met. People are confused. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it shouldn't. So let's work on being better about that. We have to be willing to disappoint people if we're going to be dating. And if you're not willing to do that, it's time to take a break. 
And so that's where we look back at who we've been as relational people. Have we been assertive and honest? Or are we one of those people that doesn't do that? And if it's been done to you, why would you want to reenact that on someone else? You know how hard it's been to reach out and still get little bits of responses. And you're not sure if they're over it. You're not sure if they really are as busy as they said they are. You don't feel safe asking. I wish people would ask, hey, I get the sense you're not interested. Is that what's going on? I'd love for people to be that assertive, but we're not often that way. And so everyone's left confused, but busting out their little secret decoder ring to try to figure out what all these messages mean. You know what I mean? It's not kind. We're gonna take a little break. And when we come back, we'll keep talking about why people do this. Why do people keep doing this? Um, but in the meantime, if you got a DM for us, drop that DM in our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, we got answers, topics you want covered, or something you want us to hit again, let us know. Also, you can head over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for the show, click on it, bam, there you got past episodes of Loveline. You can binge, post, reshare, listen. Uh, stick around though, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, we'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion on ghosting. Ghosting and just slowly drifting and fading. Neither are kind. That's important to look at and to realize. We are working on being kinder. We inherently, in dating, you have to acknowledge, in dating in any way, casual or otherwise, that you are taking, and there is a responsibility and accountability to this other person. It doesn't matter if they're just a hookup, just a trick, or we only hung out once, or we only texted for a little bit. It's a freaking person on the other end. That's a serious thing. If you're not willing to be honest and open, then you're not ready to be dating. You're hurting people. We said that, right? So approach all of this saying, I'm going to be better. I don't want to, I don't want to do to others what's maybe been done to me. And, and use this as a way to be therapeutically transforming yourself. Like every interaction with another human being gives us a chance to work on being better, you know? So notice your patterns, do different. But be honest with where you're at. If people, if you're asking someone on a date, use that word. Hey, you want to go on a date? Because otherwise, when you say things like hang out, people don't know if you're working on just friendship. They're confused. You're confused. You're like, do they know it was a date? They're like, was I just asked out on a date? I don't know. I mean, I used to always ask that. If someone was really unclear, I'd say, I'm confused. Are you asking me out on a date? I wanted to know. I wanted to know what I was consenting to. So I could say to them, oh, yeah, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, yes, I am. That is. That sounds great. Let's do it, right? So let's use that word, but we have to use that word breakup as well. Like, hey, I'm not interested any longer. Be honest. So the reasons why are people are afraid of confrontation. That's why they won't be honest. They're confused about their feelings and they're not willing to work through them and to say like, what am I really wanting? What is it I'm putting out there? Am I confusing this person, misleading them? We really need to bring that honesty in. Um, because you know this whole ghosting thing and drifting, is it's really a reflection of that person and their mental health. It's not about the other person's worthiness, but that other person will see it that way. They'll feel like they got rejected. And in a way that is that. This person isn't interested in dating you anymore, but it's made harder by not just coming forward and explaining it. Ghosting brings up triggers on and, and, and all people in, on both sides, everyone involved, right? All of our stuff comes up. And it can be hard to see that in the moment, but we wanna diminish that. So if you've been ghosted, it's not about you. It's about you and that, yeah, they were not interested in being romantic with you. We have to accept that if we're gonna be out there dating. Not everyone's gonna want us. But our worth and our value isn't rooted in their inability to be an adult and take responsibility for what they started and to end it and to let us know. The other person made that choice. That's theirs. It tells us about them and their mental health, right? Because we should all be better about this process. Dating shouldn't have to be as ter- have as much turmoil in it as it does. It shouldn't be as hard as it is. It should be cleaner and easier. 
We ask people out there interested in, we go give it a shot. If it doesn't work, we're honest about that and we move on. It could be cleaner and more fun. Imagine that. If dating was fun as opposed to people being like, oh, dating and dating apps. It should be like, wow, it's interesting and fun because it's everyone's honest, everyone's clear. I told you before, uh, way back, I was watching a documentary about this and it was showing that some people just swipe yes to everyone. And then based on who they match with and who starts a conversation, then they decide if they're interested. That's horrible. That's horrible. You're misleading people. You're misusing it. You're getting people's hopes up. There's no reason to do that. You know, so if you're no longer interested, we're telling people you have to, but again, we have to be safe enough to be told that. So that is in there too. Our work is being safe enough where if they're needing to tell us that all we say back is thank you. You can't get mad at someone for breaking up with you. They're allowed to do that. And you have to enter dating knowing that that might happen. You have to be open to being told that to being let down. Right? So we have to be safe enough for them to be able to tell us that because people that are struggling to end relationships are people that don't have good experiences of disappointing people and being shown that it's okay, that you can disappoint people and they're not gonna be mad at you for it. We have to stop punishing people for disappointing us, you know? And I see that in dating, people are hurt, they're let down, they're bummed out. And they go to anger instead of going to vulnerability and saying, I'm disappointed or I'm really frustrated, thank you for telling me, they get mad as though you've harmed them or wronged them. As though dating implies you're gonna be with me forever and it doesn't, no, nothing ever does. Even marriage doesn't imply I'll be with you forever. No one can promise forever. No one knows who will be as a couple or individuals in five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? All of these things carry with them the possibility of it not being the right thing and we have to be willing to recognize that, but we have to do it lovingly. People shouldn't be wounded in that process. Because again, imagine if it could actually be fun, meeting different people, getting out to see the world, having interesting conversations, trying different kinds of food. It could still be fun even if it doesn't work out. And the way we feel about a process is often tied to how it ends. If it ends poorly, we redefine all of it as bad. If it ends good and positive, we can hold it as having been that. And that's a bummer that we let an ending redefine the whole thing. But that's how we tend to do it. So we have to get better with those endings so people can walk away feeling as though that wasn't totally horrible and all bad. And that's what helps them be willing to keep going forward and to keep trying again, is having a positive experiences. Those positive reinforcements are what we need. But there's been so many bad experiences. And so people are afraid to be hurt again. You know, They don't wanna deal with all that letdown. So let's manage it better, we can all do that. So be better, but hold your friends accountable to being better too. If you realize they're ghosting or just letting it drift, say, that's not cool. Send them a text saying you're not interested. Even say, I'll send it for you. Give me your phone, I'm willing to do it. If they're just, their little fingers aren't willing to type that out, you know, it's an act of care. All right, we gotta take a break. When we come back, we're gonna slide back in those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Wow, this is a punchy one. This is a good one, though. This one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline, I recently found a secret account that my son has where he promotes gay materials. Man, I don't even know what that means. Promotes gay materials. I have no problem with him being gay. Well, good. And even if you did, that's that's your work. (laughs) Your son doesn't need to know that. Right, and your job as a parent is to love your son and support who they are, who they are, and who they're working on becoming. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your needs. You're there to support them. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you have to go and do that work yourself. Right. So I'm glad that you're comfortable with your child being the child that they are. What I have a problem with is his lack of concern for safety. You say some of the things are explicit. Again, I don't know what that means. I don't know what explicit means to you. Um, and I don't know what you mean by a lack of concern for safety, but nonetheless, you said, but for my husband, oh, I'm sorry, but my husband said we can't talk to him unless it comes to us, but I want to confront him. What should I do? Well, we never confront people. And I say that as a way to really make us think our approach confrontation in my mind is always about harshness, aggressive. I'm right. You're wrong. It's a power play. That's not fair, kind or appropriate. If you were to talk to your son, and we'll circle back to that part, you need to do it in a loving, curious way. Healthy ways of approaching something, whether you agree with it or not, I think it's appropriate, is with openness and curiosity. Trying to understand why this other person's doing what they're doing. Trying to understand the meaning and purpose, and more importantly, the value in it for them. Your son is doing this for a reason. He might be doing it to explore and get more confident with his own sexuality. He might be doing it to provide that for others. He might be doing it to build community. He might be doing it as a form of sexuality, engaging with others around what he's posting. I don't know if he has access to partners. I don't know if he feels ready to have sex with others in real time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what this is about, but there might be a really important psychological mechanism for him with his identity or building community. Most likely, very few gay people have a lot of gay access to others and community and sex in their in the world around them. Uh, so maybe this is how he finds others to engage with. And it might just be via the sharing of explicit material. Some people use the apps to have sex. They don't ever meet up with someone, but they use it for exchanging photos and dialogue. And that's just kind of what they're looking for at that time. Uh, so your husband said you can't talk to him until he comes to you. Well, it, it depends what it is that you're seeing. You know, if you really are truly worried about your son and his safety, well, then I think it's really reasonable to own what you found. 
right? And apologize for maybe violating his boundaries and his privacy. Because I don't know if that's part of this as well, that you, you know, really took advantage and, um, like I said, violated all that or not. But if it isn't something that really involves safety, well, then you're right. You, you, you don't have a, a need to confront him. That's his life. And you need to lean back and wait for him to share parts with you. We don't want to force our way in. But if you are really worried, excuse me, worried about his safety, do talk about it. I would want important people in my life, if they're worried about my safety, to sit down and talk to me about it. But I'd want them to do it non-confrontationally because there's nothing right or wrong there as much as you're trying to effectively just communicate care and concern. We can't hear that if we're put on the defense because someone comes at us in a really intense way. So you have to come in soft, cut from your true place of concern. And basically you're saying if, you know, here's what I saw, here's what I'm thinking, and I am available if you want to talk more about it. But if not, you have to leave that to your son. I don't know how old he is. If he's of age, well then yes, you definitely need to let go. So your husband's both right and wrong. It really depends on what your true motive is. Because I don't know if your son has confidence in his gay identity or his sexuality. It could be very threatening for a parent to really lean into that. So unless it really is a safety threat, I do agree you should let it go. And this is your son's privacy around his sexuality, right? But if it's a safety issue, then maybe you do bring it in. But do it soft and curious. Because your relationship to your son does matter. And you should be approaching this topic with consideration to that. I'm not trying to burn down our relationship. I'm not trying to make it more difficult. I'm not trying to make this person, you know, my son feel unsafe with me. So everything's done with those thoughts in mind and within that context, right? And so that should dictate the wording you use, the approach you have. Um, Okay, so think about that. You know, I think you need to do a little practice or some, you know, forethought. So really check in on your motives around that because we don't want to harm. We're trying to help. And so it has to, you know, the process and the content of the process have to very much align with that and be driven from that. All right, y'all, that is our show. You guys have an awesome, awesome, awesome weekend. Past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com if you want to check them out. Fill your weekend with tons of joy, pleasure, and rest. As always, thanks for hanging out and we'll see y'all next week. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.